When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We begin our college football preview with the Big Ten Conference. Breaking that down, giving you our tiers and predictions. Also talk some NFL, some Major League Baseball, some golf. We might even sprinkle in some hockey. We'll see how it goes. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, presented by In The Clutch. In The Clutch has your officially licensed apparel for Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Players Association, NFL, NHL, all kinds of other things. Go to InTheClutch.com, find yourself a nice t-shirt, and at checkout, use the code SPORTSTOVE. You get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's InTheClutch.com, code SPORTSTOVE for 10% off your purchase. Welcome into a new week, and uh, we begin now diving into college football. I'm joined by my dad, Dale Stover. I'm your host, Vince Stover. Dad, how you doing? Good, doing good. I, I'm coming off a uh, negative test. Uh, congratulations to me. Uh, the whole family got got hit with the, uh, the, the uh, I don't think we're allowed to say it or else they'll take us off the air, but uh, a virus of sorts, and, and uh, I am still virus-free, uh, my immaculate immunity uh me and uh, aaron Rodgers were immunized and uh i've had more success than aaron Rodgers has uh being immunized so there we go uh by the way i, I have an immunized t-shirt available uh for purchase but uh, i haven't promoted it a whole lot but anyways that's available on our teespring page but another day to talk about that i suppose uh college football then that's what we're going to talk about today we, we kick off our preview uh, this week we're doing the Big Ten. Next week we'll go into the SEC. We'll actually have a guest next week to discuss that. Um, college is interesting. And, Dad, we haven't had a chance to talk. I don't think we've talked about this. 
Uh, I cover Eastern Kentucky University, and their softball program is going through it right now. Coach has been accused of mental and verbal abuse. There's even rumors of pocketing money that was meal money for the players and all kinds of craziness going on. We're going to cover this more on our Wednesday local hour episode. Um, but it was I was talking about this with other people today. Actually, at church today, we we're talking about this. And there is no possible way that Bobby Knight could coach in today's day and time, right? <laughs> it would be very, very exciting. That would be for sure. So, I mean, think about it. But how, how, where do you rank Bobby Knight as all-time basketball coaches? Um, you know, I probably, I mean, I'd have to think, make sure to list, but I, I would think in the top five. I mean, he's he, he'd be one of them for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got Wooden, you got Dean Smith, uh, you could argue Shashevsky, uh, those kinds of guys. But yeah, yeah, I think Bobby Knight's up there in that top five as well. But to think that if he came along, you know, a generation or two later, I don't know that maybe he would have adjusted, but I'm not sure that the greatness of Bobby Knight would have ever been noticed um, had he come along later. And I think that's a sign of the way things have changed. And we don't I don't want to make light of, of mental uh, issues, mental health issues and things like that. But there was a fortitude back then and he crossed the line even then. But there was a fortitude back then that allowed him to be a basketball coach that other people, I guess, accepted what he was doing um, until they stopped. But, uh, yeah, I, I just started thinking about this today. I can't believe that there's actually coaches out there right now that, that are probably incredible coaches when it comes to X's and O's, maybe even motivation. But they're never going to make it past, you know, Little League or something like that because their attitude – uh, the way they treat people won't allow them to. And I guess my question is, is that a good thing? I mean, I think it, I think it is, uh, but is that a good thing? Um, I mean, like I said, it, you have to, it, it's kind of a fine line between, you know, is it better and is society just changing from there? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you don't want people to be abused, um, right. but, but, the de- but the definition for abuse is a, a whole lot different now than it was then. Um, when I first went to high school, it, 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 they called it, you're a freshman. Now, I mean, would, did their thing happen that now you'd be really called bullying? Yes, probably so. Um, and I'm not for bullying at all, and that can be overdone. But, you know, like I said, it's it, it's named differently and it's different, um, you know, from there. Even when even way back when I was there, a few years after I was in high school, I saw it change the whole idea with freshmen and stuff like that um, from there. And I, I, I'm not sure back then, I'm not sure that was a good thing um, in some ways, but, um, I mean, but you don't want people to be abused. You don't want people to cross the line. I think that's a little bit of the thing with Bobby Knight. You don't want to cross the line. Um, but you want to instill character. You do want to be able to have, you know, rules and it did help him be successful. He was able to recruit. There were people that wanted to go play for him. Um, you know, there weren't chairs that wanted to be in his gym, but uh, players were, you know, um, okay from there. So, it, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, would it work today? Um, I mean, what would have happened? I mean, Woody Hayes, you know, 
he got mm-hmm. fired, but what would have happened, you know, if you'd hit a player today like that? And um, and again, you know, he he shouldn't have hit the player. Um, but but you know, it, it was a different time. But you're right; there are still high school coaches, I'm sure, that live in those genres, and um, you know, uh, you know, they won't move on any further. That's for sure. And the only time you hear about them is when they cross the line, um, for the most part. Yeah, I agree. I think. You know, and I'm coaching now, and so, and I'm not that kind of coach. I'm not a yeller and screamer at the players and stuff like that. But there is a, we don't have the same mental fortitude that once was had. And and again, I think some of that's positive in the sense that we don't just put up with wrongdoing. In the past, you know, decades past, it was, well, that's just the way it is, and I got to live with it. And I think there was there's things that help people through that, but there's also obviously things that hurt people through that. And nowadays, when you're watching um, young people, they just don't have the strength, the the mental strength. A lot of them don't. Um, that it seems like we had even 20 years ago. And and I think there's some negative in that too. But I, I say all that to come back to this point. Um, the the way that the, everything that I can see from the EKU side of things, the coach was wrong. It should be fired, and we'll, again, we'll talk about that in detail on Wednesday's episode. Um, but uh, I also the the university's taken a little while. It's been a week now since the accusations came out, and there's a lot of people saying this should be done, that she should already be fired. But I also appreciate and understand the idea of the university doing their due diligence, and as long as they come out on the right end with this and firing her, I think that. Um, I, I'm satisfied with, with however long it takes them to get there, as long as they get there. Uh, there's others who think it needs to be done immediately, but as you and I know, Dad, accusations can kill a person, and you want to make sure they're true and not just accusations. And I think in this case, there's players going back 20 years that are accusing her, and there's a lot of players accusing her, so I think this one's a done deal. But nonetheless, I wanted to hit on that as we're talking about college sports here today. we get to our Big Ten preview here in just a minute. But, Dad, before we get to that, I want to talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks like they have an open invite. Wherever they want to go, they're welcome. ACC, Big Ten, the SEC are all willing to welcome Notre Dame into their conferences. Uh, what conference should Notre Dame go to? Where do they fit the best at? Well, um, I mean, I think historically with rivals and I think geographically the Big Ten just makes um, a lot of sense, but Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They're going to add to whatever conference they go to. I don't think the ACC would be wise because I think the ACC could quickly lose some other schools, and um, then they're in a situation. And I don't think Notre Dame wants to move more than once. I think they, they need want to go once, establish their tradition, and go from there. Um, you know, they could go to the SEC and play their old coach. They might enjoy that or whatever. But, um, I, again, I, I don't think Notre Dame at this point, to me, it doesn't seem like it really fits um, in the SEC. The Notre Dame or the Big Ten seems like a natural fit if they're going to go somewhere there. All right, let me make the argument. ACC, if Notre Dame goes to the ACC and commits this year, they wouldn't begin it this year, of course, but commits this year – doesn't that give the ACC a better chance of holding on to its other other universities? Um, 
I, I'm not sure. I, I think I, I think some of the ones we mentioned, and I know you emailed me the, or texted me the other day uh, with some schools that were looking at moving. And um, I, I don't think having Notre Dame there would keep them there. Um, when you're you're competing, you're competing with two big powers here, um, and the SEC and the Big Ten are, are establishing themselves in a different arena than everybody else. And I don't think just Notre Dame joining a conference makes it stronger from there. But I think it benefits Notre Dame to go to one of the two um, big conferences. And I think that just continues to make them stronger. Yeah. And remember, the Big Ten and the SEC are building football powers, right? So they're at the schools they're adding are all big football schools, Texas and Oklahoma, uh, UCLA, USC, uh, as well. So and, and Notre Dame is more of a football school than they are anything else. As well. All right, let me make the argument against the Big Ten. The Big Ten has Purdue and Indiana, and you got to think that Purdue and Indiana wouldn't love having Notre Dame, who already is going to out recruit them. Uh, now you put them in the Big Ten as well. That's kind of the one plus, right? Uh, Purdue and Indiana has uh, against against Notre Dame is, hey, we're in the Big Ten, and they are not in a conference. Well, uh, that would hurt them, and that would be three Indiana schools in the Big Ten. So the SEC has zero Indiana schools. And uh, not that, again, I think Notre Dame is far and above a bigger draw than Purdue and Indiana uh, before people freak out over that that argument. Uh, but I think Notre Dame fits what the SEC is doing with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. They're already broadening their horizons a bit. It's less about the Southeast and more about just great football schools. And you look at storied history, stuff like that, yeah, you've got Michigan and Ohio State that have a great history. Penn State, you could argue. Wisconsin, you could argue a little bit. But when you look at the SEC and you've got football schools like Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Texas throwing in with guys that haven't been as great recently like Tennessee, Florida, um, I actually think Notre Dame is a perfect fit for the SEC and maybe a better fit for the SEC than they are for the Big Ten. Geographically, it makes sense for the Big Ten. And even, like you said, rivalry-wise, it makes sense as well. But I just think what the SEC is doing, it actually makes sense for Notre Dame to head to the SEC over the Big Ten. But let me ask you this, Dad. Um, what's the chances that we see an announcement sometime this year that Notre Dame's joining a conference? Um, I would think it'll be sooner than later because I think both conferences will be pushing that because that continues with their direction. Again, as they keep adding more schools, I wouldn't say there would ever be a time when they wouldn't take Notre Dame. But, um, I, you know, I, I don't see where it benefits Notre Dame, um, you know, from recruiting or any other standpoint um, to wait a whole lot. And you brought up an interesting point with Indiana and Purdue. I've kind of wondered this. It looks so far like the, the big conferences are content with just continuing to add people and not take anybody out of the conference. Yeah. Um, I, I've wondered about that on a few different conferences, but again, you know, you'd be taking them out just for football reasons. And some of the schools you might say, you know, they, they'd be some of the pr premier schools basketball wise, uh, and maybe even some other sports. Um, 
you know, so I, I, it doesn't, I've never, you know, you haven't heard anything yet about boy conferences are going to, um, you know, get rid of some schools and add some. It's just a matter of continuing to add. So I think schools like Purdue and Indiana would and should be just, you know, happy to be in the conference, still be in there and benefit, um, you know, benefit from the possibilities there. Has there ever been a major conference get rid of a team? With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. I can't think of one right off. Um, not as far as got rid of one. You know, we've had some move from one conference yeah. um, to another. But as far as somebody being taken out of the conference... Um, I, I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I can't think of it either. You mentioned an idea last year, I think sometime, about having the uh, academic schools branch off and have a, a, a division or a conference like that. Obviously, that's not going to happen, especially with the larger ones going. But you talked about teams like Stanford, Vanderbilt, Duke, um, those kinds of teams that would branch off. And as an interesting idea, um, but like I said, there's no chance of that happening because – well, there's no reason to. They're going to get lots of money in the conferences. Wherever they end up, Stanford will end up somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how all that shakes out for sure as well. All right. Last year we did this. We're doing it again this year. We're previewing each conference um, and go through the, the Power Five conferences at least and plenty of stuff to talk about with these conferences. This year we're starting off with the Big Ten. Go back several weeks ago. We had Tom Allen, uh, head football coach of Indiana, on the show, so you can go back and listen to that if you missed it uh, in the past as well. Um, but we're off to good numbers, Dad. Season season three of the Sports Stove Podcast kicked off July 1st, and uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, lots of downloads and lots of things going on for us. We appreciate that as well. Uh, all right, Dad, well, let's start off with the East Division uh, here in the Big Ten. It's Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. We're going to go through the teams. And I'll give you some quick thoughts on them. We'll talk about win totals and then uh, important games for them. Yeah, a, kind of a do or die game for each team as well. So let's start off with Ohio State in the East. They return quarterback C.J. Stroud. He's a Heisman front runner, uh, potential first round number one overall draft pick. Excuse me. They also bring in running back Travion Henderson, who should be solid and continue to, to boast that offense there in that run game. They got a strong offensive line. Solid wide receivers, even though they lost a couple in the draft this year. But the defense does have to improve. They had their downfalls last year. They've done things to make changes on the defensive side. And they need to kind of get back to that solid defense there at Ohio State. Um, Dad, your thoughts on Ohio State? Do you see anything? Is there anything that intrigues you about them this year uh, overall about their team? Um, well, I, I think again, you know, they've, their team has recruited very well, recruited with the other ones. They have a quarterback coming back. And I think with the way the season ended, they, they're just, they'll be very, very motivated. They seem to be very well coached. And I would think Ohio State is going to be one of the powers nationally and definitely one of the powers in the Big Ten. I wouldn't think, I would think it'd be harder this year to, catch them on an off week or whatever, because I think their motivation, a lot of them will be interesting to see how it starts because they do have a big game to start off with. But if they roll on that one, it'll be interesting. 
Their win total is set at 11, a 12-game season. Uh, 11 is where, where it's set at. Uh, over or under 11 games, 11 wins for Ohio State this year? I'd say, well, it'd be 11 or 12. It'll be over, so I don't know how you would rank that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it will at least be 11, and I uh, could easily be 12. Uh, big games this year. Uh, do you look at Ohio State's schedule? Do you see a game on their schedule that you'd say, yeah, that's a pretty important one for Ohio State? And I didn't include Michigan in this. Obviously, that's always a big game. Uh, but maybe that's who you had. That's not who I used. Yeah, I, for for them um, this year, and you're right, Michigan's kind of given, but I, I think that is the big game. I think, you know, up here in Ohio, um, they're expecting, you know, last year to be a fluke and to not happen very often. And um, I think even if they did stumble during the year, it would be very crucial for them to really win in that last game. So I, I, I think the Michigan game, you know, and, and I think that'll motivate them as the year goes on, um, you know, getting ready really for that game. Yeah, I picked Notre Dame. Uh, it's a non-conference game, and uh, that's the one I picked. I think they're better than Michigan this year. I think they're – I'm not worried about them losing, obviously, if C.J. Stroud goes down. Then you could argue maybe there's a chance, but – um, my, I just don't think that Michigan is the contender they were last year. So I picked Notre Dame as their, their key game this year for Ohio State, that they've got to win that one. If they win that one, they win 12 games, I think. If they lose that one, they win 11 games, I think. So I, that's kind of where I sit with Ohio State. I go over the 11, by the way, as well um, on, on that one there. Uh, let's go to Michigan next since we're talking about the rivalry. Um, they beat Ohio State last year, which is a huge accomplishment for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. I don't think it's going to happen again. They lose Hutchinson and Ajabo to the draft. They also lost three defensive backs and their defensive coordinator as well. Uh, a lot of things happen. They lost a lot of important pieces this year. So I think we're going to see Michigan take a step back. Don't know that's going to be a horrible year for them, but I think we're going to see them take a step back. They do have a very strong run game. On offense, I'm not sold on the quarterback situation. They said they got two good ones, but you know what that I don't was it Bobby Bowden that said if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. I don't remember who said that, but uh, somebody said that, and uh, so that always worries me. Michigan, uh, you know your thoughts on them as a team this year? Um, again, I I think you know I think they'll they'll do well. Like you said, they may take a step back from where they were. Last year, but um, I, you know they're they're going to be good. I think um, now they you know they have some big games, so it it'll depend. And like you said, with two quarterbacks, that's not always a good thing. But if I remember right, you know they have recruited well, and I think they'll go some just off the momentum um, of last year and comfort and confidence. And of course, Harbaugh is a great motivator. Um, so again, I I, I think they'll be. Um, I'd be definitely a contender, and we'll talk more about that, I know, here shortly in the Big Ten. Um, but uh, you might be right. They might take a, a, a game or so step back. They're over-under set at nine and a half. You go over-under nine and a half. Um, I'd go under because I think I'd go nine, nine or ten, so nine. Yeah, I'm going to go under also. I think we could be looking at eight, eight or nine wins uh, there as well. Their key game, this one I did go Ohio State with because, again, with Michigan, and I know it's the end of the year, but uh, that's a game they got to win. They can lose every other game. If they don't beat Ohio State, it's a down year for, for Michigan. Um, so I think that's the key game for Michigan this year is Ohio State. Who did you have as the key game for Michigan? I think the key game for them this year is Michigan State. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State is getting better, and it's an, you know uh, obviously a big in-state game. And um, if they lose that one, yes, I mean all the fans want to beat Ohio State. Um, and if they lost to Michigan State and beat Ohio State, you know they'd probably still be okay. But uh, I think the Michigan State game will be crucial because I think that would be a real blow um, if they were to lose that one. And I think it's kind of in the middle of the season, if I remember right. So um, uh, to me, the Michigan State game um, this year is very, very important for them. Yeah, I like that. Michigan State's the next team we'll talk about then. Mel Tucker is building something in Michigan State. I love what he's doing there. Uh, they do lose Kenny Walker, who was a Heisman Heisman possible guy last year, Heisman candidate. Uh, he goes to the draft as running back. The defense needs to improve, but they brought in some big transfers this year that they expect to fill some gaps there on the defense for Michigan State. They're an intriguing team, Dad, and they always seem to kind of hang around a little bit. And I think you're right that Michigan game's important. Uh, but uh, what do you think about Michigan State? You talked a little bit about them there just a second ago. Like I said, I, I think they're trending up. Um, you know, of course, they give their coach a big extension, but again, they're recruiting well, and um, I, I, I think you know they're going to be back to relevance in the Big Ten as far as the team. We see them on the schedule. You know, it's a game you want to say, "Oh, let's watch that." They're playing Michigan State. This could be a good game, and it hasn't been that way in the last few years. Yeah. Their win total set at seven and a half. I, I'm pounding the over on that one. I think they'll win more than seven seven games this year. Where do you? What's your take on that? Yeah, I, I would go over seven and a half for sure. Be eight, maybe nine. Yeah, I think they have potential to have a really good year. Uh, key game for Michigan State this year. You had uh, for Michigan. You had Michigan State. Who's your key game for Michigan State? I think the key game for them, if they're going to really contend, is going to be the Wisconsin game, and Mm -hmm. that's because it's the week right after Ohio State. I don't know that they can beat Ohio State, but if they lose to them, then can they rebound? And the Wisconsin game, you know, it's going to be a tough game for them anyhow. But if they were to come out and win that one, then they would still, um, you know, be going, and they got Michigan later on. So to me, I looked at the schedule, and I thought the Wisconsin game was big. Yeah, that's a great point. And then the schedule, where that lies in the schedule is an awesome point as well. I went out of conference with Michigan State, too, with Washington. Uh, they play Washington this year. And I feel like Michigan State needs to be at that point where Washington really, really doesn't push them. Um, they got a chance to to go and, and beat that out of conference team, which who knows, maybe soon we'll be in conference, uh, but uh, but beat Washington. So that's what I went with with Michigan State. Some of these, some of these teams, it's kind of where I went with was, they need to be a program that can beat that kind of that kind of program, and that's where I put Washington in there for Michigan State. Let's go to Penn State next, uh, Dad. I've got this is a make or break year for Penn State. They got a, they were expected to be consistent contenders at the top, and they really haven't been that. They've been they've had great starts and horrible finishes. They've had okay uh, starts and better finishes. All kinds of different things going on for Penn State. Uh, but I think it's a make or break year. They've got Sean Clifford returning at quarterback uh, senior. He's been there. It seems like six years. I'm not sure if he's been that long or not, uh, but he he's the quarterback at Penn state. They bring in Manny Diaz to be the defensive coordinator as well uh, to help and improve their Penn state. Dad has been one of the hardest football schools to kind of predict these last couple of years because there's been high expectations, but it doesn't seem like those expectations ever get met. Um, no, that that's true. But you know, they recruit. They have underachieved. Um, they've had good players. 
I think they've had good recruiting. Um, I'm not personally a big fan of Jimmy Frank, but I, but he, you know, he does know how to coach. And one of these years, they're going to win a couple of the games that they could have won before, and that'll change everything if they win one big game. I don't know that this will be the year because I think some of these other teams ahead of them are really strong. But you know, all it takes is is a couple big wins. Um, and then they're really rolling. So I, I like you said, they're a, they're a hard team to predict. Um, yeah. It'd be easy to say, well, they're going to be you know fourth, fifth, or whatever, or, or be a team that's going to lose some they shouldn't you know shouldn't lose. But again, that's a great place to play up there in state college, and um, or, yeah, and I think. Um, you, you never know. They could all of a sudden be near the top at the end. Uh, the win total is at eight and a half games. And that's a number that scares you just because, again, you have no clue what they're going to do. Uh, over under eight and a half for Penn State. Um, it is close. I'll go over, over, and think they can win nine. Yeah, I went over also. I, again, that would be one that would scare me, but I, I think – I think Michigan being down is going to be the benefit of Penn State, and I think that's one of the reasons they go over. And I have Michigan as their key game. That's a game that they need to win, and uh, and that kind of puts them, shows us where they are in the conference, whether or not they can beat Michigan. Obviously, Ohio State is the measuring stick, but uh, I think beating Michigan is an important. That's a huge game for Penn State this year, and that's who I have as the key game. Who's your key game for Penn State? Um, well, I, I think it is Ohio State, like you said, because if they're going to be, um, if they could upset them, then that would change everything. The other big game really is Auburn early on, too. They added them to the schedule last year. And, um, you know, if they were to lose that game, um, that would change things. And that's going to be that's going to be a big game because they're at Auburn this year. Yes. Yeah, they are. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. Next one up is Maryland. Let's go Maryland next. Last year was their first winning season since 2014. They have a porous defense, uh, not a very good defense, but they got Tua's younger brother still there at quarterback to, I don't even know, Talia, uh, Loa, and they've got a really, really good receiving core as well. Uh, so this is an interesting team, Dad. A lot of people kind of like what they're doing. What do you think about Maryland? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Um, yeah, as I looked at the rankings, I, I think they're overranked. I think they have headed up a little bit, but I don't believe they're going to be the surprise team because, again, um, we've already – looked at teams in this division and and those teams are all teams that should beat Maryland and um, so I, I think they'll have a hard time um, you know could should be a bowl team bowl team maybe but um, I, 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 I was surprised at some of the rankings and I don't think they'll surprise a lot of people yeah I don't think so either their win total is at six for this year over or under six for Maryland 
Um, I will go over six, but just barely. So, Okay, I'm going to take you off, Dad. We got a little bit of a lag, so we're going to get that fixed. We'll bring him back on in just a second. Um, Maryland's at six. I've got them under six. I think that this Maryland team is a team that's going to struggle and uh, be at that five, six range as well. Their key game this year I picked was Indiana. And again, we'll talk about Indiana in just a moment. But I look at the measuring stick. Where are you at in the conference? Where do you line up with the conference? And Maryland is a team that needs to be beating the Indianas, the Rutgers, the Illinois, the Nebraskas, the Minnesotas even of this of this conference when they have the opportunity to play them. I still have them under the Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa kind of level. So they, they need to be able to, to win games. I think win them relatively, nah, maybe not easily is the right word because I like Indiana. But um, Indiana is the team that I kind of put on there and say, hey, if, uh, if they're going to be a, a legit threat at all, if they're ever going to grow into anything, Maryland needs to be able to beat Indiana. So Indiana is the key game I have for Maryland. Uh, Dad, who's your key game for Maryland this year? Um, looking at their schedule, I think it's Penn State. Um, if they're going to have a kind of year like people think they're going to, they're going to have to up, upset somebody. That's going to be a little bit of a rivalry game since they're both there uh, in the East in some ways. And I, I think if they were going to surprise people and surprise me, then it would be beating Penn State. If they just beat Indiana and a few schools like that, they're not going to be where um, you know some people think they're going to be. Yeah, yeah. I just I think I'm not looking forward to Maryland season this year. I I have low expectations for them. Uh, so Penn State, if they beat Penn State, that'd be massive, 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 massive. Uh, let's move on to Rutgers. Uh, they've got a priority, I think, is to win six games. They need to get bowl eligible, and they've not done that in a while. Uh, they don't have a clear cut quarterback. We'll talk about a few teams in in the Big Ten that don't have a quarterback set. Yeah, they had lots of turnover on their roster, but they do have an easier schedule this year. Um, they don't their crossover games with the West aren't that hard. Uh, those kinds of things as well. So they're uh, well. I'll give you your thoughts on Rutgers. I guess Shiano back there at Rutgers now. Um, yeah, I, I think Rutgers would be one of the low teams in the conference. Um, I don't think they've done a lot to change that. Again, I think the Big Ten right now has become a stronger football conference, so that does not bode well for the teams that are struggling and struggle talent-wise. So I'm not expecting a lot out of Rutgers. Uh, their win total is at four, over or under four. Um I'd actually go under. I don't remember their out-of-conference games, so if they can win all three of those, that would be different. But I think I'd go under. I went over. Surprisingly enough, I think this team, I think they got potential for five wins this year, struggling to get to six. I got their out-of-conference game against Boston College as the key game. Again, not a pushover, but a, but a game that they need to win uh, to, to fulfill their expectations. So I think that is their key game. Who was your key game for, for Rutgers this year? Um, again, I'm not expecting them to have a good season, um, but I think the key game will be the last game of the year with Maryland. I think mm-hmm. they, if they can end up beating them, um, then you know they build a little bit toward next year. And just looking at the schedule, uh, to me, that's, that's probably the key. Yeah, that game against Maryland could determine which one of them gets a bowl game. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that could be win number six for either team. Uh, come down to it. Uh, last team in the East is Indiana. They changed their coordinators, new offense coordinator, new defensive coordinator. 
They bring in quarterback Connor Bazelak from Missouri. Um, now, when Coach Allen was on, he said there's going to be a pretty good quarterback competition. I think Connor Bazelak wins this wins this battle and is the quarterback there. They need their transfers to be good. They brought in a lot of transfers this year to fill gaps, and they need those guys to play like veteran players in college. Uh, so this Indiana team, so disappointing last year after a phenomenal year two years ago. What do you expect out of Indiana this year? Well, again, I mean, you know, I really like Coach Allen and and uh, the program there. I think they will they will rebound. One thing that will help them is again, um, I think they will be able to surprise people a little bit. You know, a couple of years ago they did. Then last year everybody expected them, you know, to be a power. And and like I said, it was a very disappointing season. But it did have a lot to do with injuries. And um, I think Coach Allen's a character guy. I think he tries to recruit character people. And um, I I think they can rebound again. The conference is tough, so I don't know. I don't think they're gonna, you know. Uh, go after the conference championship, but um, I think they'll definitely rebound. And um, I, I think he'll keep be there at Indiana and keep them, you know, becoming more, of, more of a football power than it has been in years before. So it sounds like you're over the four win, win total there. Yes. Yes. I'd be over four. I think he'll do better than that. I'd like to see him get to six and get to a bowl. Don't know for sure about that. Key game for Indiana this year. Who do you have? Um, if they're going to surprise people, it would be the game that they they surprised two years ago, and it'd be Penn State. Um, if they if they could beat Penn State, um, and again, you know, depending on what kind of season Penn State's having, then they're the team that historically can overlook people. Now they you know lost a couple of years ago, so that may be motivation. But just looking at their schedule, there's several I could have picked, but um, I felt like Penn State, if they're going to really make a big difference. I went with Nebraska. They played Nebraska in the West Division this year. Nebraska's a team, they've actually got a higher win total than I expected them to have. Um, but we'll get to them in a minute. But I, I think, again, winning games, kind of like what I talked about with Maryland, uh, you got to win these games that you're, that you're supposed to be in, right? Uh, you don't have to win the Ohio State games. You do have to win the Nebraska game. And uh, so that's what I put as their key key game this year. Let's move to the West now, Dad, and Wisconsin is the first team we'll look at there. They've got a Heisman hopeful, and Braylon Allen, the running back, they always seem to have a running back in the Heisman race, uh, and I expect that again this year. But they have a really tough schedule. They have to play Ohio State and Michigan State from the East this year. And the one thing we know about Wisconsin, they always win one they shouldn't. They always lose one they shouldn't. And, uh, and so here they sit this year. Um, you know, I I don't know, Dad. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a good feeling about Wisconsin this year. What's your thoughts on Wisconsin? Um, you're right about they have a tough schedule, but, uh, like you said, they, um, you know, I think they always have a good team and I think Wisconsin will be one of the powers in the conference again this year. Now their schedule such they could lose two or three and all of a sudden, you know, that would change where they're at or they're looking at, but, um, you know, winning one win, you know, let them beat Michigan and all of a sudden that changes everything. So I think Wisconsin will still be, um, still be one of the better teams in the conference nine wins over or under um i would go i think it'll be nine but i'd go over 
I'm going under. Um, I just don't think they've got it this year. Uh, I've got their key game as Iowa. Iowa obviously is kind of a measuring stick in the West when it comes to those top teams. Um, and so I put them as their key game this year. You've already mentioned Michigan, but what's your uh, – or Michigan State, I guess it was. But who's who's your key game for Wisconsin? I think the key game is going to be Ohio State. Um, I, you know, I don't know that they can beat Ohio state, but do they play respectable with Ohio state? That will tell you that they're a team that really can contend. And I think depending how they look in that Ohio state game, will even affect their psyche somewhat. Um, looking at the schedule, they have a lot of big games, so you could have picked a lot of them, but uh, I picked the Ohio state game. All right. We're running short on time. So I'm going to see if we can move through these a little quicker going forward. Purdue's the next team. Uh, easy schedule, relatively, you know, comparatively easy schedule. Quarterback Aiden O'Connell should lead the way. The running backs need to improve, have a better year than last year. They also lost four defensive starters, but they got a low win total of seven games. So, Dad, if you can quickly kind of give you your Purdue thoughts and then over under seven games. Um. Again, I think they overachieved a little bit last year, but I think they're still probably on the upswing. So, um, and I give them over on the seven. Yeah, they lost their best wide receiver, but they brought in some receivers as well. Uh, I go over seven as well. Actually, I think they're going to be, I think they can compete this year, uh, especially in the division. Uh, key game, I've got Penn State uh, as they cross over and, and go Penn State this year. I put that as their key game. What about you for Purdue? Um, if they're going to compete, then it'll be Wisconsin. See yeah. how the Wisconsin game goes. That's a good one. Iowa up next. Last year, Dad, Iowa averaged 4.5 yards per play. That won't cut it. Uh, even though it worked last year for the division, uh, they're going to need to do better than that. They were horrible on third down, really bad in the red zone, and they've got a quarterback battle going on. And I don't think you can win the division – when you don't know who your quarterback is, they do have a great defense, which could help them. Their win total is at seven and a half. Thoughts on Iowa and seven and a half is the win total. Um, again, I mean, to me, of course, you know, um, you know, I like Iowa. They have a good tradition. I mean, I think they're always going to have a good football team. You might be right, um, you know, with the quarterback thing, but I think they'll be over uh, seven and a half um, there and could contend for that division. Who's their key game? Their key game would be Michigan and because it's early. Yeah, I got the same one, Michigan. And I have over seven and a half also. I think that top of the West is going to be really tight this year with Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa uh, specifically. But, yeah, I picked Michigan as their key game as well. Uh, next up, Minnesota. They got a pretty good quarterback, Tanner Morgan, uh, back at quarterback. They got a strong defense. Uh, but they're replacing four offensive linemen, which is always hard to do. Uh, they got a tough schedule. They cross over with Michigan State and Penn State this year. Their win total also set at seven and a half. Uh, you kind of think you like the coach at Minnesota, if I remember correctly, but what are your thoughts on Minnesota and seven and a half as their win total? Yeah, I, I think they'll be over seven and a half, and I do think they're headed up um, from there. Again, some of the tough, um, you know, like you said, uh, games in the other division will be tough, but I, I think Minnesota should have a respectable year. I went under seven and a half, um, and I have their key game dad as Illinois. Uh, we'll talk about Illinois in a minute, but I think Illinois is one of those teams, pesky teams that can come up and kind of give Minnesota a really bad season by by beating them. 
So I, that's where I went with the key game. Where do you go with the key game for Minnesota? I think if, if Minnesota is going to overachieve, then it'll be the Michigan State game, and that's an early game in the year. Yeah, it kind of set the pace for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, this has got to be Scott Frost's last chance. He's never had a winning season or a bowl game in Nebraska since he's been the head coach. They do get a transfer at quarterback from Texas. Casey Thompson comes over. I was surprised to see their win total set at seven and a half for this season. Your thoughts on Scott Frost, the Cornhuskers, and seven and a half games. Yeah, I was surprised with all the positiveness I saw about that. <laughs> I think this could be his last season. I think he'd be under seven and a half. And their key game? Key game is Indiana. Um, okay. You know, if they lose to Indiana, then then they're, they're headed down, down the dumper pretty quick. We went similar directions on this one. I went under as well. I got their key aim as Northwestern. Um, I think kind of the same, same idea though. If you can't beat Northwestern, uh, can you, can you ever really compete? And I'm not sure that they can. Uh, so I'm going way under seven and a half actually for Nebraska. Illinois is next. Uh, Brett Bielema at head coach looks like he's got the program headed the right direction. Uh, they got five wins last year and they lost four games by only one score. Uh, so they were close to being a nine-win team last year. Running back is the strength. Their defense is above average. They definitely have room to improve. But their four-and-a-half win total I thought was really low for what we saw from Illinois last year. Uh, give me your thoughts on them. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they have a very good coach, and I think they're headed up. So I think it'd be over four-and-a-half. And I got their key game out of conference, Dad, with Virginia a team that they should be able to beat. New coach in Virginia. We'll talk about them when we get to ACC. Uh, but again, the non-conference game, that's winnable. Those are the games you got to win, especially when you're in the spot Illinois is in. Who's your key game? The key game is Iowa, and that's because they're catching Iowa as they'll play them between Michigan and Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And that's a good time to play them. So that's what I've got Iowa. Great time to play them, yeah. Uh, the last team in the West is Northwestern. they got good running backs, but, again, they don't have a quarterback. They're in a quarterback battle. Their defense is sneaky good, and they're at three-and-a-half wins this year. And uh, the the even years, Dad, it's kind of like the San Francisco Giants. The even years, they've been really good. The odd years, they've been really bad. Uh, three-and-a-half, though, is a really low number for Northwestern. What are your thoughts on them? I think they can be over three and a half. Again, I think they're going to have a tough year um, when they get into the heart of the schedule, but I think they, they can you know win four or five games. Yeah, I'm with you. Four or five makes sense to me as well, at least. So, yeah, I'm over three and a half. Key game, I've got Nebraska. Uh, kind of the same opposite reason we talk about Nebraska, but Northwestern for them to move up, they have to beat the Illinois, the Nebraskas, even the Minnesotas in their division. Uh, who's your key game for Northwestern? Yeah, I have Nebraska also, and that's because it's the first game of the year. That's very interesting, and if they could start out and beat them, it would hurt Nebraska's season, but it would give them a little bit of hope because when they get in the middle of the season, they're going to get beat up. All right, Dad, when we get to the conferences, we're going we're gonna to put each team in a tier. This year we're doing four tiers. Tier number one is championship contender, national championship contender. Tier number two is conference contenders. Tier number three is, I have it labeled bright future, but not this year. Basically, they're in the upward trajectory, not going backwards. And then the last tier is our Vanderbilt tier, which I think is self-explanatory. But basically, if you stink at football, 
you're in this tier as well. So let's start with our championship contenders. How many teams and who are they do you have from the Big Ten as championship contenders? For national championship, just one, and that's Ohio State. Uh, you mean the Ohio State? Uh, yes, I as well have only one in championship national championship contenders this year from the Big Ten. I think Ohio State is the only team that has a chance in the Big Ten to be a contender for the national championship. All right, so that brings us to the conference contenders. Obviously, we think Ohio State's the favorite and expect them to win. But uh, what teams? How many teams did you put in this next tier of uh, conference contenders? Um, I, I have five that I think could, um, and again, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan State, and Penn State. I have six. I added Purdue to that list also. I think Purdue can surprise. I like Purdue's coach, um, and I think there's potential there as well. So I had six. I put Purdue in that category along with the other teams, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Iowa uh, there as well. All right, so then tier number three is the upward trajectory. I, I expect that in most conferences, this will be the large majority of teams we'll put into this. This is kind of our crapshoot category. We don't hate them. We don't love them uh, kind of category as well. So how many teams did you have in this third category? Uh, I have six there. Uh, one of them is not necessarily an uptrend, but I don't think they're in the Vanderbilt category. That's Nebraska. Um, but one other ones are Minnesota, Indiana, Purdue, um, Maryland, and Illinois. Interesting. Okay, so I've got all the rest of them except for one uh, in this category. i got Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Rutgers all in this category. Let me explain quickly. Rutgers, I think, has the right coach that can build them back up. Northwestern, again, they've been up and down, teeter-tottering back and forth, but I mean, they were contending just two years ago, so I don't think that they're going to go way far away. I think Minnesota is headed the right direction ultimately. I think Illinois is the right direction. I think Indiana can surprise a lot of people. And then Maryland, if they can continue to bring in quarterbacks like they've got now, can always go the right direction as well. So that's where I put them. And we'll get to your Vanderbilt tier in just a second. I only have one team in my Vanderbilt tier, Dad, and that's Nebraska. I think until they change coaches, um, they're just going to continue to head the wrong direction. So I put Nebraska in my Vanderbilt tier, the only Big Ten team I have in that tier. And I'll try, in most cases, to only have one team in this tier. And for me, this one was the one I chose. So you've got, I think, if I counted correctly, you have three teams in the Vanderbilt tier? No, just two, Northwestern and Rutgers. Okay. Um, and, and I agree to some extent what you said about them, but I think when you're talking about the low teams, um, I think the other the conference is just so strong that their record is going to put them down um, in there, even though they may, they may move out of that quicker. Yeah, I you know when I look at the Vanderbilt tier, I look at never climbing out of it. Um, you're stuck there forever, <laughs> like Vanderbilt is in the SEC. They're never climbing out, so that's that's the way I look at it. And I just think Nebraska is a dead program. Um, not to say they can't hire somebody to turn that around, but it doesn't look, look good for Nebraska's future. All right. Well, there's our big 10 preview. If you missed any of the live portion, go back and listen on the podcast. And next week we come to you with the S E C, uh, as we get into that next week as well. All right, dad, let's transition into some baseball talk. we got a couple minutes left. We're going to start our baseball talk with our call of the day presented by Elementor. Elementor can make your website look professional, so you need to make that call if your website looks trashy. 
Go to Elementor. You get the exclusive Elementor link in the podcast notes uh, or in the YouTube description as well. Here is our call of the week, I guess. Driven to the right field corner, slicing away from Calhoun, and gone, a home run! Byron Buxton's 23rd of the year down the right field line. He is now 5-9 for nine with three home runs against Dunning. There you go, Byron Buxton sending one over the right field wall as your call of the week uh, this week here as we look at some baseball stuff. Dad, I want to talk... Uh, we're not going to get into the all-star stuff yet, but uh, we'll get into a little bit of it. Pujols and Cabrera, honorary uh, names into the all-star game. Do you like this idea of honoring these old guys uh, that aren't going to make it on talent uh, this year? I, I do. I think you got to keep the all-star game as a special thing and uh, a little bit of a celebrity thing, but definitely a thing with baseball. So I think honoring um, older players, um, I, I, I don't have any problem with that. I think it's, it's probably good for baseball. Uh, were you surprised or disappointed by any of the all-star picks? Um. No, I was I was happy that I have several guys off my fantasy team on the All Star picks. That's always surprising. Always makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing and going in the right direction. I was glad to see a giant make it. I was maybe a little surprised on that, um, but glad to see that. And I probably see what your thoughts is. I was a little surprised with no Brewers. Yeah, pitching you know started off slow for them, and they had injury issues offensively, they've not been great. I think had Willie Adamas not been hurt, but, I mean, you're going up against Trey Turner, so that probably wasn't going to work in his favor either. So where they've been strong, there's been other guys that have been strong. Um, Yelich has not hit the ball well enough. Uh, so I, I like Adamas a lot. I think he's got he should be in the All-Star game. And I think you'll see pitchers. I mean, the bullpen, definitely. You look at Devin Williams and Josh Hader, they better be in there as well. So I think, I think they'll be fine. They'll get there. Um, outside of that, there just wasn't somebody who stood out on the team uh, to get in there. But I think you're looking at, I'm looking right now, Burns um, uh, Burns had the same amount of starting votes. Uh, so he was right up there with them and could have been voted in there. You'll see, like I said, you'll see Harder, Hart, Hater and uh, Devin Williams in the All-Star game as well. So not a big deal to not see any Brewers voted in to start. They just offensively, they haven't been where they need to be pitching. They've had uh, injury issues. So, I can shake it off. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, one, is, thing, one thing, and you keep up with it you know, better than I do, but as I look through the list, one that maybe surprised me because I was thinking that maybe he's having a great year, but I was thinking I was hearing earlier it wasn't in the American League of Stanton. Yeah, he started off really hot, and he's been okay. I, I don't love that pick for Stanton. He's probably the one that I look at that I wasn't a huge fan of. I don't think he's undeserving. I'm not sure if he's the most deserving at the same time, if that makes sense. So it's not a big deal. I don't think there's a major snubs there. Um, it was just definitely a, a situation where it's kind of like, well, okay, I, I guess I can live with that one, <laughs> with that one as well uh, from there. Um, so yeah, all-star game coming up soon uh, here for major league baseball. Excited to see that one play out. Let's we're running out of time, but I want to hit a couple of these things real quick. NFL-wise, Baker Mayfield traded to the Panthers, conditional fifth-round pick. We've talked about the Panthers and the Seahawks a lot in this Baker Mayfield situation. 
at the end of the day, he is in Carolina. So do you like it? Do you think that's good? How do you think it turns out in Carolina? Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's a good spot for him. I don't know how it'll turn out because I don't know how they're looking at it. Again, you know, with having, you know, a draft pick there, a quarterback, um, and um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how that will go if he's, and even for him, it may be fine to kind of have a one-year tryout or whatever, but I, I don't know that they're committed with him. Now, again, you know, they win, you know, seven out of their first nine games. That could all change, but um, I, I, I'm not sure how it'll work for him, but I, you know, it, it, it's a good place. It, it fits some, and again, they've got a coach that's on the hot seat there. That makes it real interesting, too. Yeah, it's a weak division. I mean, you got Tampa, but you got Atlanta, who's got Marcus Mariota at quarterback. You got New Orleans, who has Jameis Winston at quarterback. And I'm a bigger Jameis fan than you are, but it's just not a strong division. You bring Baker in, and he benefits so much from having a good year. Um, will the team back him? That's a question. But again, like you said, the coach needs to win games, and Baker Mayfield gives them the best chance to win games this season. And it's a great opportunity for him. He's going to get seen. He's going to get a chance to play and have a chance to really get himself a pretty big contract if he does well uh, this year there. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, Dad. I think this this was reported today. Dwayne Brown, offensive lineman. He's a free agent this year, was in Seattle last year. He gets arrested coming off a plane today for misdemeanor charge of possession of a concealed weapon. He had an unloaded gun, handgun, in his luggage which you're not allowed to do, <laughs> and he did. So he gets arrested, could hurt uh, him getting signed. He's older, been around for a long time, very good offensive lineman. Uh, but uh, interesting happenings today. We're going to talk about the Watson suspension later uh, just because of the sake of time today uh, there as well. But plenty of stuff happening. College football right around the corner, Dad. We're doing um, position previews for Eastern Kentucky University on our local hour show on Wednesday this week, we'll be doing tight ends. Got the tight end coach and starting tight end, Dak Allen, on the show this week uh, for the Sports Stoke Local Hour as well. Anything else, Dad, you want to add before we close out today? No, no. And I, I, I think the Eastern Kentucky thing is a good thing. I enjoyed the quarterback preview last week. And um, I think, you know, if people like, you know, details and see what kind of people are on a team, even if you're not, you know, from that part of the country or Eastern Kentucky, um, you're getting a lot of in-depth there. And I enjoyed that. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, we work hard to try to get to know these guys. Having the coaching staff on is fun. Uh, to kind of get their view of some things, learn some things this week from the quarterback coach. Trent Steelman played at, at Army. Some people will know that name, uh, quarterback coach. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I learned things in the interview with him this week. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting um, that uh, he just kind of said in passing. So so that's fun for me for sure. But, uh, yeah, we got Dak Allen. Dak Allen, Dad, he was a quarterback at Eastern Kentucky just a couple years ago. Now he's the starting tight end. And I think he actually has a legit chance of playing at the next level at tight end as well. So he'll be a fun conversation. Um, Parker McKinney, the quarterback, has a good shot as well at making the NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of guys on this EKU team that I think we'll see at the next level at some point in time, needless to say. Okay, that's it. Uh, we got it all covered for today. Uh, that's the Big Ten preview again next week. Uh, we'll bring you the SEC. Uh, we're bringing on a guest from Belly Up Sports to talk SEC with us as well and add him into the conversation. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in today. Go and follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. 
And in the clutch.com, get yourself some uh, T-shirts or some really cool stuff. If you haven't looked yet, make sure you go look. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove. <laughs>